Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Brooko Mode pod. Welcome to all old and new listeners. I genuinely appreciate you all tuning in. If you do like this episode, please give it a five-star rating by clicking on Brooko Mode, then the three dots, and then rate show. I promise you it will go a long way for me. James Garcia is a former Waffle football player. I've played with him in the last couple of years, and he's a ripping bloke. He's a teacher and a great laugh. was very excited to get him on the podcast and dig a little deeper, as there is always more than meets the eye. Expect to learn about James's performance anxiety, professionalism, drinking culture, being liked versus being respected, who we would go to war with, leadership, a couple of ripping footy stories, personal life and the death of his uncle, rewards of teaching and much, much more amongst that. I didn't really know how to tell people it was happening. You've got to start living life. It's not going to last forever. If you've got something nice to say, say it. It's such a negative world. Why don't we start changing the way we talk? No, I've never been scared of dying. Stop judgment for curiosity. If you love yourself and the important people in your life love you, then that's all you really need. Who's James Garcia? Straight into it. Where are we? Um, James Garcia, 29-year-old from Perth. Um, grown, a pretty, grown up a pretty nice life. Must say, um, play footy. Everyone's sort of known me as the footy player the past sort of few years, but there's definitely more layers to to myself. Um, I'm a teacher as well, I guess. Take a bit of pride in the past five six years of been teaching to sort of make an influence or make an impact on um, some teenagers' lives, which I'm quite proud of um, at the moment. Yeah, we often start with that question, and everyone sort of gives their age, the job they do but it doesn't really give you a full insight into James Garcia and the, the layers under the roles that you do play in your life. I guess that's what we get into, though. Like yeah. We help them discover exactly. more. But so if I asked you that question, Jack, what would you say now? Uh, very confident um, young man who 
Likes to talk on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Likes to dance talk at Scarborough as well. Dan- yeah, loves dancing at the, the Scarborough markets. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So I replied to the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we were talking about with the butterfly effect. Like, yeah, because I was, I was literally there oh, probably about an hour before. Do you want to barn me? Yeah. Be great. <laughs> it's good down there. Um, but yeah, like if we didn't decide to... Well, we weren't even going to walk... It's fucking funny. We weren't even going to walk all the way to the markets and we're like, oh, fuck it. Let's just walk to the markets. Walk there, then we... Sort of walk past um, all these people dancing and like, oh, should we just join in? Like, there was this guy by himself. Like, let's just go join him. Walked down. I just took a little video, um, and then you end up replying. Yeah, and what, then what did I say? I think I said, oh, I'll "Kick that bloke off the deck, get guard, get guard <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said, "Get, get my light it up." <laughs> and then, um, and then our person who was meant to be doing this today, he pulled out, and we're like, "Oh fuck." Gas wanted to come on like a while ago. Let's get him on. And so, yeah, message you. Second option, you. see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole butterfly effect though. Like yeah. so many things. Like oh. we walked, like I, I went, was playing footy before and then we're like, oh, should I go for a walk? Walked like barefoot to fucking yeah. Scarborough. And then if we didn't end up dancing, we wouldn't have posted that video. Uh, yes. You wouldn't have replied. Yeah. To like, and I wouldn't be here now. Yeah, exactly. Correct. It's yeah, fucking, oh. And that's like that story we'll touch on a bit later on, but. Probably something similar. Um, I replied to one of your stories and sort of brought something up um, that happened to me. So yeah. we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later. I yeah. think. So when did you start playing footy? Because I don't really know much about your juniors. Or yeah, so um, played at the footy factory down at Strino Duncraig. Um, <laughs> it is a footy factory. Yeah, yeah it, is. it is. You had the likes of you know your Jack Darlings, your Daniel Riches, your Luke Simons. We <laughs> <laughs> listened to that one. Um, yeah. So played played there all my juniors. I'm born on the 29th of December. 93. Um, so, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so I was always towards the end of the year. So I went to high school with the 94s, um, but mm-hmm. I had to play with the with the 93s. Uh, yeah. So I was always probably six months in terms of size behind everyone. Um, but s- still sort of held my own, but I was always playing. I couldn't play against my schoolmates. Um, so played there till yeah, about 15, and then you hit the development squads down at Subi and yeah, did the 14s, um, 15s, and... 16s um and that was that was awesome good experience had a pretty good 16s carnival um, made the state 16s team uh, for wa and went over to blacktown in new south wales that's when gws were starting up the following year so that's what that's what i held it and there's a few characters down in western sydney i'll tell you that (laughs) yeah a few few oddballs there um and yeah the carnival yeah i was I was probably one of the last ones picked in the in the state team, and it was it was tough playing against the best players in in, in Australia. And I remember Adam Trelaw versus Vic Metro, Vic Country, and I was nowhere near at that game. And they said <laughs> you need a you need a tag or play really tight with Adam Trelaw, and end up trying to tag him. And he had about ten on me in the first <laughs> ten minutes, and then they took me off him and go back up forward, gas. So, um, yeah, so that that was that was quite full on. It was a good experience, um, and then did yeah moved on to Colts um, down at Subi, and first sort of first year I was quite young playing against sort of eighteen year olds as a as a sixteen year old, and yeah that, that was tough, but still sort of held my own. Played every game. Next year had a better year, and then the following year as a eighteen year old sort of bigger body eighteen year old um, found it a bit easier. Um, towards that end of the last year of Colts um, played, I think, one reserves game and got pushed up to the league team. 
as an 18-year-old, so I made my league debut at 18, which I was oh. quite proud of. Um, and I remember the first game, it was against Swan Districts. This was before the alignment, down at Leadville Oval, and I started on the wing and walks next to me, or stands right next to me, Andrew Embley. Oh. I was playing on Andrew Embley my first game. <laughs> and he was, yeah, Norm Smith medalist from, what was that, 2006? 06 or 05, yeah. one of the grand finals. And I was thinking, geez, how, how good is this? And I'm playing against bloody Andrew Embley here and had a pretty good game, played the last four games of that that year, four league games. And you know, towards the end of that year, I thought, geez, how good is this? I'm going to be playing bloody 250 Everything. league games. At, it was sort of past the draft. I didn't think I was going to get drafted oh, at okay. the stage. Okay. Um, but I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to be playing 200 you know, waffle games, legend of the club, and then fast forward six years when I finished up, I think I played 22 league games, about 60, 66 reserves games, and about 160 hippie club appearances. So yeah. <laughs> that was probably, didn't go to plan, which you could imagine. It's funny how it hits you, like, you're 18, like, fucking, you got the world in front of you, you think, like, this is going to be me for the next 10 mm. years. Mm. Like, Mitch Dwyer told me this, I think he won a flag in one of his first years at North yep. Beach. And he's like, fuck, how good is this? And we win him for the next 10 years and then never won another one. So what Taj like, said when he got drafted in AFL, yeah. he was like, fuck, I'm going to be playing for like 10 years and you just don't realise how hard it can be. You lose the gratefulness, don't you? You just think it's going to happen. Yeah. And I feel like I listened to the Taj run and um, obviously Jared coached me um, probably seven of my eight years down at Subi. Um, so I was quite close with him and... I listened to that podcast and it was a very similar situation just that he was at a high level. Mm, so he yeah. was at the <laughs> AFL trying to get an AFL game where I was at, you know, Waffle One, probably a step below playing in reserves, trying to fight quite hard yeah. to get a game. And, um, yeah, and it's probably the same at, you know, the, the level below that, probably A grade where blokes are on the fringe between the reserves and league. So, yeah, it's a very similar story, just at different levels. Yeah, so how did the... Um so when you were like a fringe player <clears throat> in the waffle, would that affect you during the week? Yeah, uh, yeah. There was, there was a lot of pressure, yeah. and my probably last two years, I sort of knew it was going to come to an end because I was finishing my uni degree. So twenty seventeen, I knew that would be my last, and I was going to travel twenty eighteen. So my last two years, it was a bit frustrating. Like the the league team was stacked. I mean, within. 2014, they won their first flag. Um, 2015, they won. So they won two in a row. And then Peel Thunder beat them 15, oh, sorry, 16, 17. And then they've won three grand finals since. I played in a few. So they, they were always stacked. So it was, it was such a hard team to crack into. But you and wanted to be in there. Yeah. So right. a few people asked if I, if I went to a different club, would I have played you know, more league games? Possibly. But I just couldn't leave all my mates. And I feel like I'm pretty sort of loyal in that sense, the state of the same club. So yeah, it was frustrating and that sort of led to you know, the pressure getting to me and not really being that committed, which I'll touch on a bit later, losing a bit of passion for the game, like not even wanting to watch footy on the weekends, like chuck the TV and watch yeah, well. the footy. Um, so yeah, I feel, felt like I lost a bit of was it the, for the game. Was it the pressure you... Put on yourself because you're still playing waffle, and it's even playing reserves is still quality in a waffle system. But was it just because you expected so much more of yourself? Yeah, I think playing at a young age, I just thought it was gonna just gonna happen for the rest of my career, and yeah, it was probably pressure on myself. Um, 
you know, definitely a bit of performance anxiety there. Even in my first four league games, I was vomiting before games and wow. um, I was in the toilet before the game, like yeah, spewing my guts up just because I was so nervous. And you know, playing reserves, there wasn't really that nerves, but when I'd push up in front of like a bigger crowd, um, more pressure, trying to hold my spot when I was in and out so much. Um, yeah, I was I was quite nervous. But then when I'd when I'd played, you'd sort of forget about it, which mm. was fine. So it was definitely the external pressure of the coaches wanting you to play league and then pressure on myself trying to push hard. Was was that did that take away from your physical energy, like that mental draining? Because I feel like when I've gone through periods where I'm more anxious with my footy, like it actually takes a lot away from the physical side of your yeah. game. I, f- I felt like I was a bit drained. Um, that was probably with work and uni. I was I was a fruit and veg boy back in the day at Coles, <laughs> so I was waking up at about 4, 4.15 in the morning. Probably no one knows this from North Beach. Yeah. I was, um, so this would have been... When I was yeah, 19, 20, 21, 22, throughout my uni degree, so I'd wake up at 4.15, work like 5 till 9, go to uni 10 till 4, and then go to footy training from there, and then get home, you know, do my gym session. So I was getting home at like 8.39, leaving the house at 4.15 in the morning. So I was quite quite drained with it all. Um so that, that was quite tough. So physically, probably haven't thought of that before, reflecting on it, but physically I probably was a bit um, bit overworked, I'd probably say, which might have had an impact on my game. There's a lot of factors. Mm. Commitment levels towards the end um, probably weren't there. Or probably wasn't there for the right reasons. If I wasn't enjoying it, you'd think, just don't play anymore. Yeah, so, it's hard though. It's yeah. hard to leave. I just wanted to sort of be with my mates. I had a really strong friend group there and... Um, just wanted to be with, with my mates and you know, go to the footy club, go out after, go to the party house, go out after, and a few times probably, yeah, professionalism wasn't there, <laughs> which we'll touch on a bit later. Um, do you, like, thinking back to when you were playing those league games, do you remember, like, if you fucked up a kick, like, do you remember what your mind would be like? Like, fuck, I'm, like, Scotty's going to drop me next week, like, after you fuck up a kick, or would it not affect you too much? Yeah, so... Scully and I had a pretty good relationship. Like he coached me all the way through Colts, so he'd known me for quite a few years. So it was never he was never really spray me. Funny story, I'll tell you, he sprayed me a few times later, but that wasn't to the footy. Um, so I didn't have that pressure of, oh, the coaches are going to yell at me or anything. It was just that, again, that internal pressure of thinking, geez, I'm not going to play next week. Like, mm. I'll butcher this kick. Mm. Um, it was an example, I remember, it would have been about 2015, it was a Thursday night game and just started to get broadcasted on Channel 7, yeah. 7 Mate. I'm telling all my mates, oh, I chuck on, chuck on <laughs> 7 Mate, 6.30, I'm playing, we're going to light it up. Fuck yeah. And then um, yeah, everyone's watching, a few of my mates came down to the game and I think I ended up with about four touches. <laughs> <laughs> first goal of the game, I'd had about oh. four, four touches for the whole game, like nowhere near it after that first front and centre goal. And and then after the game, I was like, oh, jeez, how embarrassing. Like, I've got everyone to watch and it was nowhere near it. So. Yeah. Probably put a lot of pressure on myself as well. You probably, f- yeah, fall out of that flow state and you're just yeah. so in your head, like you just want to get the touch, the mark, the kick, the yep. goals, and then none of it will end up happening because you're just so fucking in your head. It's it's amazing how like how much footy is actually in your mind. Yeah. <coughs> so when you were at Subi, I guess what was your – we talk about love for the game and it's such a big commitment – so when you said you like your passion sort of dies away, how does that affect like your commitment? If like 
you sort of you didn't want to watch other football games and I guess the performance anxiety being on the being a fringe player. So you're still so involved, you're training three times a week and playing. Yeah. So how does that affect I guess your commitment then if you don't even really like it? Or did you like like everything about it but just not the game as such? Yeah, I, I definitely like the game. I still like playing footy. It was just you know, wanting to get the best out of myself and um, hated pre-seasons. I would dread a pre-season. Like that off-season was good to have time off, but then always in the back of my mind I'm thinking, oh, geez, I should be going for a run. Or um, Obviously the first session you'd do a 2K time trial and I've never been the best runner, so I'd always be towards the probably the back half of the back third quarter. So there's always that, you know, that anxiety of, Am I doing enough in the off season to to not be last or to to actually prove myself? And then all the preseason, I'd hate I'd hate going to training just because of the running afterwards. So it'd be like the Tuesday, it was three times a week. So like the Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, I'd be at, at work or at uni, thinking, "Oh, geez, I've got footy training mm. coming up." And I think I held on because I sort of probably my mates were there. I was always known as a footy player. So if I went to a different, if I went to like to North Beach a bit earlier, I went to country a bit earlier, I'd think, oh, geez, I've lost that sort of identity. Mm. Um, and looking back on it, yeah, I probably should have probably should have called it a bit earlier. Um, but, yeah, I don't really have any regrets because that, that final year in 2017, I'm a captain of the reserves team to, um, to the grand final throughout the whole final series. And that's, that's been the highlight of my probably career so far. So if I'd say that, if I did pull the pin earlier because I wasn't enjoying it, then I wouldn't have experienced that success, and that's the only grand final I've won. Is um, it? Yeah. Yeah, well, oh, fucking and, nothing. Like and yes, how long have I been playing? 30 now, so I've been playing since I was... Young tacker. Six or seven, but you don't play grand finals then, so probably you know, 20 15, years of playing. Yeah, 20. 15, 20 years. So you were a captain. How'd you get into the that leadership role? So I played yeah, played the last... 2017, played the last, I think, six league games... Um, going into the se- uh, towards the end of the season and get dropped for the finals, and I knew that was that was it because mm-hmm. the next year I was travelling and was going to finish up. So I just thought, you know, give it the best shot in the twos and get a really strong twos group. And I think the reserves coach um, Andrew Lockyer, he played at the Eagles in the in the nineties, and he's one of my good mates. Dad, he was the coach, and he said, "Oh, Gus, what do you think about being captain?" And I'd never really had that leadership role before like school free I was a captain and captain of the cricket team and stuff but you know at, at Subi I was always you know, going in between the teams so I didn't really have a set yep. position and um yeah I took <coughs> that took that on and really sort of lifted and you know I actually started to enjoy my footy again we were, we were playing finals I was leading the team there was no pressure for me to play league because I probably knew that I wasn't going to get back in the team because they were so strong yeah um and then, yeah, captain went into that grand final against South Freer. Severe underdogs, they versed us two weeks before and beat us by about 90 points. So we were going in thinking, oh, we're probably not going to win this, but let's just give it a red-hot crack. And, yeah, went in and yeah, smoked them and we won the flag. And I just remember after the, after the grand final, not getting emotional, but I was thinking this is the last time we'll be with this group of boys and what a way to finish. I know I probably would have loved to win a league flag. But yeah, to finish on the reserves flag and carry on with the boys in the change rooms, it was a moment yeah, I'll never forget. Mm. Do, you, do you wish you enjoyed your waffle experience more? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd, it's not like I can say, oh, I just, it's not an easy switch. I could just say, oh, I'll just enjoy it more. It's yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's probably too much. The life I was living with uni and work is probably, yeah, probably too much, as I mentioned before. Um, but in terms of the social side of it, that's the reason I didn't leave. And we'd, <coughs> I was playing twos and we'd finish up, watch the league team, have a few beers, and then um, we'd go back to party house in, in Stirling with all my mates. It was probably 10 of us every week and we'd go to this house and stay there, settle in, um, and then go to Leadable every weekend. So it was just a <laughs> constant routine and I, I didn't really want to miss that and mm. not be a part of that. So in terms of priorities to actually be at the footy club the, far, the last year or so probably wasn't there and it sort of got questioned a few times. Yeah, It must be... Like, we touched on being a fringe player, but, like, now when you play for North Beach, being one of the, the big dogs, it's <laughs> it's it's it must change your relationship to the game because you're not – we spoke about this with Taj, right? Similar experience. But, yep. like, when you're not thinking about being dropped, it totally changes your mindset. Like, I've been a fringe player before, and it's fucked. Yep. It changes your whole thing with the game. But it's like you've almost got to maybe try and act like you're not a fringe player, even though you are. Yep. But it's it's it, like you said, it's not just a switch. Is yeah, it? and I think it's just natural. People think that, but yeah, being at North Beach, sort of, um, yeah, I'm not guaranteed of a spot if I'm playing crap. Then I can still get dropped. But you know, playing some consistent footy, you know, gives you that confidence. And the past, I've said to uh, Captain Mitch Gill a few times, like the past sort of three four years is the best sort of felt about footy. And actually, watch footy on the weekends now and love it and talk about it all all the time and want to go to training, want to play, you know, I'm relaxed, I'm, I'm calm going into games and I think that's where that enjoyment probably comes back. I probably found that yeah, joining North Beach. Before, before that I went to, um, went to Durian Bay, yep. played there for two years after I finished up at Subi and again there was no, no real pressure, um, guaranteed a game. Um, if the tax man's listening, obviously just got a sausage roll and a coke after the game, which, <laughs> which, was, um, which was good. <laughs> um, so it was pressure, pressure in that sense, but um, not, um, not in the sense of yeah, failure or anything. Because mm. um, playing pretty consistent footy up there. So um, do you, do you think you get something out of leadership? Because so North Beach, you're in a leadership role, and then you said you started enjoying your footy when you started captaining the twos in 2017. So is there something that leadership, like, does just add another aspect to the footy? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that's <coughs> something that surprised me, you know, stepping into, like, the leadership group to enjoy my footy a bit more. Because I remember I came in 2020 um, and that was the COVID year when the Durian League got cancelled and knew a few boys down at North Beach and it would be a great team. So I went down, wasn't expecting to, to play for the following year because I wanted to go back to Durian. Um, but enjoyed it so much, met so many good people there, and such a wholesome club. Actually, really enjoyed my footy, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay here in, in the following year in 2021. And then 2021 season, I was just had a decent year there. And then I remember I was driving with Mitch Gill playing at Araluen, playing at the golf course, yep. um, 50 minutes away, and he picked me up. And then he said, "Oh, Gus, you're, you're 20, 27, 28, going into this season, like." the boys learn a lot from you. How, have you thought about being in a leadership group? And I said, oh, like, you know, towards probably the end of my career, I just want to enjoy my footy. I don't think 
having extra responsibility will make me enjoy it as much. And he said, just think about it. And we spoke about it a bit, um, playing golf and the next few weeks. And I just thought, I'll oh, stuff it. I'll, I'll give it a crack because I've got a fair bit to offer, like a lot of experience, um, especially with the forwards. So I did that and then actually really enjoyed that that part of the, the game and a few of the young boys coming up to me asking questions and having my input a bit more. Um, so I feel like I've developed that throughout the years. As a as a junior and stuff, I was quite sort of shy and introverted and um, as I've got older, I've developed confidence and um, that's definitely helped with um, my leadership the past, past few years. Is that hard when you're at Waffle and you're sort of a fringe player and you don't want to use your voice and yeah. and you go into your shell. But then it almost feels like if you do do that, you can also contribute without it just being your, your game. Like you can still, you know, there's so many players who are contribute not just what with what they do, but their voice, their leadership. Yeah. And they might not be the best like um, players themselves, but they bring others up. Yeah. But because you don't feel as confident within yourself, it naturally... You go into your shell because you're, or should I say, saying like, do I have a right to say like, yeah? And so you guys always touching it, long time listener, by the way, <laughs> full time pest on the conversation. <laughs> um, and you're right, the, the fear of judgment, which you spoke about the other week, that that's what it was. If you're playing in the twos and you know you're the loudest on the track and come on boys and rolling all the league players up, you're thinking, oh geez, why is why is old mate trying to mm. get me up and about? Or why is he giving me advice? Yeah. Um, which isn't really the case, but just you think you think that naturally mm. um and if someone was doing that now like in the twos at north beach i'd think oh geez how good's that they're pushing mm. they're pushing everyone so um it's definitely the fear of judgment that people don't don't do that i think bowie really did that well at north beach not saying he's yep. a fucking bad player or anything but you know he's stuck in the twos for s- some time and f- he was always the loudest on the track yeah always even webby webby did the same you yep. know back in the ones now but just Creating energy for the boys, it's massive. Mm. And it's that's that's how you gain respect as well. Mm. <coughs> it's it's a failure of to read to reading someone's mind because a funny one, I was listening to a podcast about how you see people like drive Lamborghinis, right, on the coast. Yeah. And and you start thinking like um but you never think of that person or like you used to you want a Lamborghini, right? But you never look at that person with a Lamborghini and think, Oh, how cool is this bloke? Yeah. But you like you want a Lamborghini to be cool. But have you ever looked at someone with a Lamborghini driving and thought, fuck, like, he's so cool? Yeah, yeah. It's like a similar thing to, yeah. like, that situation. I just chat shit, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you always get the boys up and about. Good or bad. Doesn't about, yeah. <laughs> what was that last point you touched on? Um, respect, yeah. So there is, like, a, I guess a big thing. You go to a waffle club, um, young pup, like, are you thinking like I just want to fit in versus like I want to be a leader? I guess you've been you were in the system early, like playing Colts and stuff, mm. so you already had relationships. But I guess the whole thing of being liked versus being respected, I'm interested on your take. Yeah, on that. Yeah, I think being liked is obviously important. Um, you want to be that guy that everyone sort of wants to be around at the footy club. Um, but then in saying that, you want to be respected as it is. Someone that's liked, and it was a perfect example, a bloke at, a bloke at Subia, I won't mention his name. Um, he was the most liked bloke in the group. He was always the one at the social events, drunkest at the events. Um, 
always sort of flying the flag in that sense. Um, took the piss a bit with footy as well. And Jared Schofield, I remember, pulled him into the office and he said, do you, why do you want to be here? Do you want to be here for your footy or do you want to be here for the social events? And apparently he said, oh, geez, you're spot on, actually. <laughs> I actually love the social events more than, than footy and that's when it sort of clicked. And is there respect for him in that sense? Like mm. there's, a, there's a term... I'm not sure if you've touched on it. Like, who would you go to war with at the footy club? Would you go to war with someone that you you like and is a larrikin and stuff, or would you go to war with the person that you respect the most at the footy club? So, like, who <coughs> who would you who would three people you'd go to war with? Oh, that's a great question. At North Beach, yeah. Put you on the spot here. <laughs> um, or in in general, yeah. In general, anyone. Um, Leashy. You, you go, Jack. You got one. I'm, I'm oh yeah, no, I've, I've got Tables some. Turned. Um, yeah. So <laughs> this one's a bit, bit of an outlaw. I, I, Craig Hall. I mm. think he's he, mate. Anyone would go to war with him. Fuck mm. yeah. Um, can't use the same names, by the way, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hawley. Uh, I've got to say, Gilly. Like, yeah. he'd, he'd fucking do anything for you. And uh, going the obvious one, Tomo. Like, he always he always go to war with me. So. I'd say I'm gonna gonna use the same one, Mitch Gill. Yeah. Um, I've only known the bloke for yeah, four years, and for me to say that I think is quite quite a strong comment. Mm. Um, passionate, loves the game, the amount of time he spends making connections with every single player. You know, he's from what or what he tells me, he's very good at his job as well. So <laughs> he's obviously can make it, making really good connections there and. Overall, a really good bloke, really liked, um, <coughs> but you know the respect there is huge. Mm. And in terms of someone <coughs> like I would go to war with, just based on footy, and so would be like a Matty Holden. Oh yeah, yeah. just Fuck a bull. Knife. And yeah. you know, if I get if I get in a scrap on the field, which I don't don't often, he'd be the first one to to fly the flag for me. Torre is my version of that. Yeah, Torre is fine. Yeah, Torre is. Well, I probably haven't played as much with Torre, but um, definitely definitely the same. And then. You know, some of my mates that I've been friends with since you know, year eight, you know, there's 15 to 20 years of friendship there. Um, you know, probably my, one of the best mates, Cam, um, was my first high school mate going into a new high school. And, um, you know, mates ever since, so he's probably another one that I'd go to war with. I reckon one I'd pick is Tommy Hooper. Just, mm. like, real good voice. Like, if you're going to war with someone, right, you, like, knowing me, being like introverted like you'd need someone like especially playing the back line with him like his yep. voice is outstanding and he he gets you up and about and feeling confident um and fuck if you go on a war like you need people who are vocal um and another yeah. one who i haven't played too much footy with i'm not too close to him but um sam lamont yeah just like an absolute <laughs> animal like he's so like um like you wouldn't think that but then when he plays footy yes he's like turns in like the oh. white line fever yep. like and you just, that's like the whole thing of war when you think about it, like going to war, that's what footy essentially is. So, yeah. yeah. I guess, like, am I allowed to ask questions here to you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which will lead into our next sort of topic. So, we'll be the host for now. <laughs> um, so, obviously, you've, you've started at West Perth. Starting at West Perth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, how have you had any trainings yet? Have you, what's, what's your overall feeling to start with? Or it's just a build up at the moment? Oh, we've had. 
we've had, I've been down there twice to play a couple nines games. Yep. Caught up, did the run this morning, caught up a few times with a few blokes. Um, yeah, well, I haven't really got into, like, structured training yet. That's in a couple of weeks. But yep. um, seems very welcoming. Yep. Like, um, do you mean, like, what? what's my attitude? Yeah, like, in terms of probably going to ask like the professionalism how do you think it's going to be a big jump from north beach to to west perth and then i'll sort of give my yeah perspective of it as well yeah obviously like training an extra night and but i've always been one to to do more like Mm. do the extras and i've wanted to do that but it can be hard because not everyone's keen and like it's not that like there is an element of like fear of judgment. You don't want to be that guy doing extras like after training. There's times this like in the last couple of years like after training, I'm like, fuck, I'd love to practice my high marks more or yep. do this craft work. But like everyone's going in like a bit of a fringe player. I don't really want to do that, but I want to do it. Yes. Yeah. And like, I guess if you're at Waffle doing that, it's a bit different. It's like you, it's more like everyone's there to like, or at least like it's not looked upon differently. Like, yep. um, and I guess, yeah, I just, I want to be a prof- like as professional as possible just for the point that I want to look back on my footy and be like, like, fuck yeah. Like I got to see how good I could be yep. and not re- have no that. Re- unturned, exactly. Yep. Not have that regret. Um, and I'm guess I'm just excited to be around some boys who are probably a bit more like-minded in terms of like yep. the professionalism side of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Sorry to interrupt this episode quickly, but are you training hard this summer and not hydrating properly with electrolytes? Coda Electrolytes have been a game changer for me and they'll be a game changer for you as well. I've put the link in the show notes for the electrolytes that I use. Very high quality and actually a very good price too. Use Brooko Mode for a 10% discount store-wide. Back to James. I, I found like North, North Beach and Wolf Club is quite similar um, in terms of... Um, you know, expectations and values and stuff, but it's just, you know, the the I'd say little things, but they're actually quite big in the in the scheme of things, um, how professional you should be, like, you know, not drinking if you get a cork, you're injured. Um, you know, at, at Subi, there was like a no phone policy, so as you'd enter the change rooms, you couldn't have your phone on you. And if you did have your phone or you checked a text message, there would be a consequence, and that consequence was to... Have anyone heard this? No. Uh, no. No, there's two, but yeah, yeah. So you need to get up in front of the whole group before sing. a team meeting, and sing a song. Yeah. Oh fuck. my so, god. <laughs> and yeah, as, as someone that was quite interested, I was thinking they, no, no one touches their phones. Um, and there was one time Wade Toomey, one of the older boys, I was got like 21, and <clears> there was a few phones on the on the table as you enter. I said, "Guys, whose phone's that one? Just check the screen safe." So he stitched me up. He said, Let's "Check the check the background, see if you know whose phone it is." So I clicked it. He goes, "Oh, that's a song." And I was thinking, mate, you can't be serious. And everyone caught wind of it. And then <laughs> the next training session, I'd get up in front of all the and sing a song. And what song you like it was hard. Oh, I can't even remember. I think I was Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. Knew the lyrics too. But in terms of that, like there was no phones in there. Um, drinking while you're injured was just a big no-no. It's a funny story. I'll, I'll tell this one. So this is one of the times Scully sprayed me. Yeah. So... It was a back into a long weekend. We all got block party tickets for the, the Sunday night. We played on the Saturday. Um, Angus Liverland had a big – he said, boys, everyone's coming to my house on the Sunday from midday. It was going to be epic. Everyone knew this was going to be the party of the party of the year. And we played Peel Thunder and I got this massive corky in my leg. 
And stupidly, you'd get a text message or you'd have to fill in a survey after each game. Mm-hmm. How'd you pull up? Any niggles? And I said, oh, just a little little cork. And then went to the went to the um went to Gussie's house and took some drinks just in case. And I was saying to the boys, "Oh, what should I do? Like, should I drink? I probably should." And all the young, all the mates were saying, "Yeah, do it, do it. Like, it's gonna be gonna be epic." And I shouldn't have. So, and I got absolutely absolutely blind. And um, yeah, there was a few blokes, you know, like Jack Beverly. Um, probably shouldn't have been drinking as well. He's coming back from an ACL. Ryan Borchette just coming back from a broken ankle. Borch is on the top of the roof. He jumped through Jack Beverly through a table. <laughs> I've bloody, there was a video of it. Bloody, I swear I've, I've seen that video. Yeah, and I've RKO'd Cole Halligan through a table with a corky. <laughs> and then. Did you have to play a game next week? Oh, that gets to that. And then we went out and had an absolute ball tear. And then on the Monday, we had to go to training in the afternoon. It was at City Beach. And oh my God. everyone's walking on eggshells. <laughs> my legs throbbing as I'm walking to the, walking to the ground. And Scully comes up to me. He goes, how'd you pull up? I said, ah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, fine. Um, I sort of thought that wasn't as bad as I first expected because of the survey, but it was a shit house. And he goes, you get on the drinks last night or yesterday? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I had a few. And he's going, oh, fucking jumping through tables won't fix corkies, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and like death stares me and walks off. He's intimidating man oh, as well. Like, it was he's... the first time he sprayed me in like five years. And then we had the training session and – the, the thing, my, my quad was about to tear off the bone. Like, <laughs> it was so honey, he was flogging us because he, 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 he caught knew. wind because he saw all the videos. It was on someone's like Instagram story. Oh, and I think Taj or one of his mates saw it and then showed him. And it was all, all out there to see. And that was probably a little strike against my name. Um, but yeah, pushed through that training session. And then going into that game the next week, it was sore, but I was like, fuck, I have to play. Like, if I don't play, like, I might as well clean my locker out and, <laughs> and never come back. So. Um, like those little things as well. Like you were held so accountable to those. Mm. Um, was that just because you wanted to fit in though? But like, I guess if your if your relationship to footy is like, like, what's your purpose? Are you trying to get the most out of yourself? Like, what are you thinking at the time? Because if you're thinking with the mindset like, fuck, I want to get all of myself, like, get the most out of myself with footy, you might not make that decision. But is it because you sort of had lost that full commitment to it that you're like, oh, this yeah. would be, this would be fun, like. Yeah, as I mentioned before, like the passion was probably that was like twenty sixteen, I think that happened. So like the passion had sort of had gone there, and I wasn't really enjoying my footy. And you know, I was playing a couple of league games a year. I wasn't wasn't going to get drafted or anything as a bloke playing playing in the two. So I thought, you know, what's you know, I'd prefer to have a good night with the boys and and risk it um, compared to. Doing the one percent is like not going there or not drinking. Um, you know, pre-season. If I really wanted to do it, I'd be running every um, every second day and trying to build up that fitness. But it just wasn't wasn't really there. I felt like I was different priorities mm-hmm. at that stage, and that just comes back to the yeah, the passion of the game, I guess. What was the club culture like in the sense that? If you're someone who wanted to get the most out of yourself and you weren't that party guy, was it was it harder for those people to fit in? Like, did you have to do the drinking and all that to be one of the one of the boys? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's that's definitely a massive part of a footy club: the drinking culture and making those connections on the pier. So, like, it'd be like a rookie day, and you've never spoken to these blokes before leading into it, and then you 
you're, you're both blind sitting on a couch, bloody <laughs> acting like best mates. <laughs> and then you go to training the next Tuesday and then you have that conversation. Oh, how good was Saturday night? Um, and then it, that's that. You've drawn that, not the line in the sand, but you've broken the ice. You've broken the ice and you can have those, you can have those chats. So it definitely is a mm. culture. And I think it's huge at a footy club. And Justin Langer, he was the, I think he still is the number one ticket holder at Subi and he'd always chat to us in the preseason on the camps and stuff. And he said, boys, like one of the most important thing is, you know, knowing, knowing your limit, taking the piss, but false camaraderie, he'd call it false camaraderie, is probably the most important thing that you can have. And that just means catching up with each other outside of the, outside the club, doing your rookie days, but not getting too stupid or not crossing that line. Um, so every time we sort of made a joke of it, in the last sort of two, three years there, we'd say, oh, who's keen for some false camaraderie? Let's go to let's go to the party house and have some <laughs> false camaraderie. And we probably took it a little bit far, but like uh, he said that was such an important mm. important part. It is. Like especially as a younger player, like it's their way of um getting in. Like I remember like me, Tomo, Scar's like our first year, that was how we mm. sort of um became one of the boys sort of thing. Yeah. We just we bought in and But is is that just because it's it's hard to fit in without the alcohol and it's just like obviously the effects of alcohol, but like is there a way to do it without without alcohol? You know, they have those like triple H sessions at, at, at AFL clubs and they do that vulnerability side. You sort of mm. break the ice with those like deeper conversations which the alcohol sort of can help break that tension. Yeah. But I th- I th- yeah, I, th- I think times have changed. Like if you asked me this question 10 years ago, then, you know, mental health wasn't <laughs> such a big thing and – Notice, especially in my line of work, noticed a massive change in, in attitudes and sort of a dec- decrease in people's mental health. So I feel years ago, you'd think, oh, if you didn't drink, then oh, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you're judged. And, yeah. and at, at Subi, like, if you didn't drink at the at the rookie days, you'd have to scale milk. So <laughs> this bloke had to eat Snickers bars oh when someone called like a rookie scale. Instead of drinking your beer, which everyone else was doing, you'd scale milk. You'd probably scaling like two or three litres of milk. So your, bone, your bones will bloody strong after it. You're going to break start drinking milk? Yeah. Oh, that, that's, just, that's just what we said. But I yeah. feel like now going into a club, people are more open to that and mm. I don't think anyone would care. Like no, it's just someone respect. wasn't drinking in, at Rookie Day at North Beach and they were quite strong on their values and said, oh, no, nah, it's not for me. Um, I think, yeah, no I think one, There might be the odd comment from a few blokes, but... But strong to your word. It's, who cares? But it's also in the long run, it's more important that you stick to what you want to do. Like I think it's the easier option to fit in. Oh, yeah, and yeah, like me, like I've been, I've drunk once since the last six months and I'm yeah. I've stopped drinking now since my birthday. And I don't want to drink just yeah. for personal reasons and the values I'm trying to live by. Yeah. But the easier option is to drink and want to do I that. Yeah. But then in the long run, outside of footy, what is that teaching myself that like other people's opinions and their validations more important than mine and mm. what I want to live by. So it might be fun in the moment, but it's not building that self-respect. Yeah. And then I guess in the long run, you might build respect, even though there's going to be that fear of judgment and people are going to say yeah. things. But I think more importantly is the sort of self-talk that you have. Mm. I think my thing is, like, no one should care if you, if you don't drink these days. Like, that's completely fine. But if you're not drinking and then not joining in, mm. that's where my problem is because... Mm. Like, yeah, okay, you don't need a drink to, to be um, 
joining in in the culture and stuff. But if you're not then participating, then like that's where the problem leads because exactly. then you're not joining in the culture. Like that's no one said you have to 100%. drink to, to join in the culture. But if you're just sitting in the corner, like yeah. not being involved, then like what the fuck but are you that, doing here? And it becomes like saying I'm trying to work on is that thing because it's like you almost feel like you don't belong to be there mm. because you're like, oh, you're going to get charged. Like, but that's just in your own Exactly. Your own that's the thing that we've no been talking about. Like, and that's the big thing I've, I'm have i getting better at is like you can still do things. Like me and Jack, like I don't think I've ever danced in front of people, yet yeah. alone sober and yeah. Scarborough with these people watching. Yeah. Mm. But that's the sort of place I'm trying to get to is that yeah. that fear of judgment. It's just I want to throw that out the window because I don't want to live my life walking on eggshells yeah. and to get the most out of my footy and enjoy it. Cause I don't want to look back on my footy and be like, fuck, like, yeah, I did good, but I didn't enjoy the ride. Well, yes. I, d- I didn't try it because like those guys were going to take the piss out of me or mm. whatever. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. Buying in is fine, but that doesn't require no. drinking. Just every, everyone sort of does it and people respond well to it. or like doing it. Um, you know, I pick my moments. Yeah. Um, as, as I'm a bit older now and a bit more settled, um, like a young boy say, so I'll come to come to bar one on a random Saturday night. I'm like, I probably don't. <laughs> but I'd to go home and see my dog and stuff. But yeah, famous TikTok dog. <laughs> <laughs> Got more followers than me, mate. Yeah, he he hasn't um, posted for a while. My dog, so I have to <laughs> give him a little rev up. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, just pick, picking your moments. I think um, yeah, still making those connections at those events because that's when you. We talk about building team culture. Now you mentioned this um, SAS camp, and uh, like the times have changed. I want I want to hear more about this because I'm very intrigued. Yeah, so this this was quite fun. This was Scully's first year back at the club. So 2012, he went to Claremont. Uh, 2013, uh, he said, "Boys, we've got a camp on the weekend. Meet me at Leadville Oval at 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Um, bring night. Bring X, Y, and Z." Yeah, 8 p.m. at night, yep. So we were thinking, oh, geez, how good is this, Will, buddy? It's a big leadership thing, team bonding, a couple of fire, a couple Sleep of marshmallows, <laughs> a couple of holding hands and tell each other how good they are. <laughs> so we hop on this bus and pitch black, about two and a half hour drive. I'm thinking, geez, where, where are we going? Um, no one had any idea. Like, no one would say anything. The coaches wouldn't say anything. Pull up into this sort of farm-type campsite thing. And hop off the bus and we're greeted by like six, seven SAS blokes in full camo kits. And I'm thinking, geez, this is <laughs> this is turn. So <laughs> no marshmallows here. Yeah. So we hop off the bus and these blokes just start yelling at us, get in your overall, start start getting um start getting changed, line up, get in groups of six. And we all had to do it like straight off the bus. And so that started about eleven fifteen, four AM. It stopped. We were hiking. We were walking, carrying ammo boxes, flipping tires, pushing tires uphill. Like it was insane. And that was like five five hours, nearly five hours of that. And the amount of resilience everyone got from that was insane. I remember flipping this tire up this massive hill. It was like a truck tire. Like yeah. It was huge. Yeah. And geez, OHS would have had a field day because some of the things that happened there. <laughs> I remember someone's flipped the tire up the hill, lost control of this big truck tire, started. Rolling down, held about fifty kilometers per hour, and missed these blokes for like a meter. Would have, would have caused damage, some serious damage. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> and we um, we finished up at four a.m. and the blokes like, okay, we're done. Um, good night. 
okay, where's our swags? Where are the tents? Where's the accommodation? Where's, where's, where's our food? <laughs> we haven't eaten. And the leader's like, boys, looks like we're here. You need, we need to sleep on the ground. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm sleeping on a dirt track. Another bloke's sleeping on a big rock. There's about 10 blokes in the long grass getting kissed by probably snakes in there. And, and it hit like, had like an hour of sleep probably. It was like f- probably 5, 5.30 in the morning. And the bloke comes back in his car, starts beeping his horn. And, oh, God, we just want to have a nap. Like, no one could sleep anyway. He starts high beam us, get up. You've got a minute to get up. Follow me. He drives his car. And we're just running after the car, like about 50 of us. And then we finally stop after like maybe 15, 20 minutes. Then he's like, okay, we've got like an assault course that we need to do now. And it was like run up a massive hill, run back down, swim across this 50-meter lake, run back, just do that for 30 minutes to an hour. And everyone was cooked, running on empty. And the amount of times I thought and everyone else, like blokes were fainting as well. Um, the amount of times I thought, I can't do this, but mm. you've pushed through. Um, and after that, we had breakfast. Um, it was like tins of tuna. Bloody Mitch McKenzie must have delivered tuna. it. <laughs> 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 and, um, and then that was it. Why I had tuna left? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bloody fished out while I'm in Europe. Um, so, and then, yeah, had an eight. Uh, had a bit of bit of food and then had like a training session and then that that was it. So it was the hardest. Oh, yeah. Was it twelve or what? Yeah, probably hardest fifteen hours of oh, my yeah. life. Um, and that was like the turning point of the Subi Footy Club. I feel um, that year that I played in twenty twelve. I think we won maybe three or four games and towards the bottom of the ladder. The next year had the camp. That year we increased and then twenty fourteen won a flag. Twenty fifteen won a flag. 2016 made the grand final. 2017 won the grand uh, made the grand final, and then you know they've won six flags in what's it, ten ten years or five in ten years. So I feel like that was the turning point, and the resilience that built in the team was was phenomenal. Like yeah, when yeah. times got tough, you thought, okay, the Williams camp. It was in Williams down south. We found out a few days later. <laughs> so had no idea where we were. It literally is this saying: hard times create hard people. Hard yeah. people create easy times. Easy times, yeah. great. Like, yeah, never heard that one. It's a good one. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah, and you'd and always join it back together because to you couldn't do that yourself. No, you wouldn't have been able to push Fuck that. No. no, and yeah, and that built built that sort of that, that teamwork. And um, when you're all in something together, it just creates such good camaraderie. Like, yeah, oh, it's a good feeling mm. after it, <laughs> not yeah. true. And that goes down like blokes that I did it with. We still talk about it. Like, yeah. we're at bloody. Um, you know, we could be at a wedding like eight years later. It was ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, ten years ago, we could still talk all about that Williams camp, and like, it's still my group of mates that I'm still mates with. We still like talk about and get brought up. Mm. Um, so yeah, you reflect on those things, but I, I can't sort of see that happening. Yeah, I wonder if they're days. allowed to. I feel like I did it in Colts. Not not to that extreme, yeah. but like we'd be sleeping and they'd wake you up at like four AM or something. We're going for a run, yeah. like, and then you have to get like you have to get some guy on a fucking boat or something and carry carry the boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was weird, but I feel like <clears throat> not that footy clubs and people have gone soft. I don't know. I just can't see that happening these days, especially after the Adelaide Crows mm. SAS camp. Obviously, there was a bit of things behind, not just the yeah. Stuff there was racial things and um, other parts going on, but I just can't really see that happening anymore. I'm not 
not sure why. I feel like we've developed um, in a way, and it might lead back to the mental health. And yeah, um, no, I think I, I think what you're trying to get out of that, there's just different ways now to get there, and they're trying to yeah. do it in a more in a way that's not. I don't even know. It's just. I to be honest, I'd actually love doing it as much as I'd hate doing yeah, it. I'd yeah. love doing it. As yeah, well. you'd look like that'd be sick so in hindsight. Being like fuck, you, like you, the amount of resilience, like my biggest growing points have been from like my hardest times and that's mm. like you said the hardest time of your life but it's like you almost need to be forced to do that like yeah. it's yeah. no there's no way like a bunch of boys can be like yeah let's go do this like SAS style camp yeah how like, many people wouldn't have rocked up for that bus if Scotty's going oh boys yeah so rock up at yeah. 10 and we're actually gonna fucking flog you all night so yeah just come and then like how many yeah. people would actually come probably not as many yeah I think you would. I feel like you, everyone still would rock up, yeah. but you wouldn't. You wouldn't expect it to be to that. It wouldn't be. I love that how he just fucking smacked you a lot. Yeah, no, and he was he was the best coach I've ever had by a country mile. Um, but yeah, he was he was full on, but in a good way. He still yeah. good relationships, and he was a great guy. And um, yeah, but no. in in terms of what you're saying before, there's just different approaches. Like in my work as a teacher, the teaching style of yelling at oh. kids and baking them and screaming at them just doesn't work no. these days because kids just go into their shell and they'll resent you for um, you know, the next... They, they'll probably get over it in a couple of weeks, but they'll resent you for a part there. So um, in my part, it's probably well, most teachers, you see like the newer teachers, I've been there for six years now and very different to teachers that have been there for 20 years and they're barking at kids and, you know, we're sort of told to... And it definitely works to build relationships with the kids and... Um, to get to know them on a personal level and um, have that relationship. And when you need to pull them up, they actually respect you in that way. Oh, you can pull one-on-one. Yep. And you probably remember in high school, you had those hard teachers that <coughs> would yell and carry on. and You just, um, you just zone out. You don't listen. Yeah. You, you resent them. Yeah. That's definitely um, definitely changed. You know, kids, kids now have changed. They can't really handle that harsh, honest feedback while you're yelling at them. You can pull them aside one-on-one and say... Okay, this is what you're doing. This is what I'm not liking. I need to see an improvement because yeah, must be hard. Work. Must be hard as a teacher to get that um liked versus being respected part because, like, you want them the kids to like you so they're not fucking hassling you and yep. you know just going crazy. But then you also need the respect; otherwise, they will take it too They'll far. Walk yeah. over you, yeah, and walk over the classroom environment. Correct. Yeah. There's that fine line of being a mate with them, and you know, have you can you I oh, have a laugh with heaps of my kids yeah um but knowing once they hit that line of going too far you pull them up straight away yep. that's 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 too far or don't say that again you've crossed the line there my favorite teacher had the perfect balance well he yeah. wasn't even he was head of year and fuck he just like i respect him and like him so yep. much still do like yeah so i yeah i, I do like the head of year at my school as well so um or like attendance issue or behavior issues suspensions um, parent complaints, parents spraying me over the phone. <laughs> um, I cop it all. I like speaking in front of the whole year group or two year group, speaking in front of two hundred and fifty kids um, mm. and the deputy. And you know, as as a high school kid, being nervous, no chance I could have done that. So I'm yeah. sort of quite proud that I can I can get up and speak in front of a large crowd and not do get nervous. Do you ever tell the students that, like, when you were in their position, you would have struggled to speak? I feel like it'd yeah, uh, you're not really in in like when I teach health. Um, talk about resilience and stuff. I tell personal stories and sort of wins them over and tell them my own sort of scenarios. Um, but yeah, as, as the UK, I just try and build relationships with the kids. I'm not one to 
I spray a kid every now and then, um, but it's very, very rare. I'll yep. pull them aside, have a chat, um, get their parents on board. Um, if they're getting suspended, tell them why. These are expectations. So there's no, it's nothing personal no. against, against me and them. Like they're not going to re- lose respect for me for suspending them when the processes are in place there. Yep. <coughs> My pop had a quote that he's told me because he was a teacher for 40 years. And it was if you're in a classroom with 20 kids, there's 21 teachers. So, what do you learn from kids themselves about life? Well, like, what do you learn from the kids as well? Because I feel like as much as they're younger and you've had a lot more life experience, you can still learn a lot from yeah. them. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't mention the school that I work at, but it's a sort of quite diverse, a lot of different cultures. Um, some kids have really tough upbringings, and I f- feel like I learned from them how to be resilient, um, how to grow from tough times. It also makes me a lot more grateful my upbringing as well because I, I lived a pretty sheltered life I grew up in Sorrento like close to the beach went to private schools and sort of teaching at a public school where a lot of kids you know families are struggling um, single parents it sort of makes me quite grateful for my parents and that I've lived a pretty pretty good life and um, you know, I, I hear some pretty full-on things from from kids and um, from parents, and it just makes me think, geez, that's that's just a completely different world to what I've expected. And I guess teaching at a public school and doing my role at a public school, I feel that's a lot more rewarding than maybe. At, at, obviously, there's different different challenges at a private school, but I feel like I'm making a bigger difference between mm. these kids. If they're yeah. well, at the moment, like I do the year, I'm with the year ten, so if they're not engaged at school, I'm saying, what? Why are you here? Let's let's get get you qualified let's go to TAFE let's do these try trades and try a few different things to prepare you yep um, instead of saying oh just just stay at school I, I don't care let's just stay at mm. school and but you actually show that you care about these kids and yeah because fuck for some from some of these kids that don't have anyone in their life that like they feel care about them. yeah um, especially yeah like having like a I wouldn't say like I'm a father figure because I'm only 29 more like an old could be like an older brother that they can yeah. come to advice for or yep. um, if they're struggling with something Coming to me, I'm really struggling. Can you help me? And I'd get great satisfaction mm. out of that. Um, and then, yeah, I can put things in place to make them feel comfortable. And I'm no professional um, in terms of that advice, but I can always give them my advice and then pass them on to school psych or external providers. So is there any mental health, um, like external speech um, speakers that come into the school? or? Uh, yeah, we have a few... Uh, with youth focus, um, like counsellors that come in, they do a few talks at the school as well. Are um, they good? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I quite like them. Um, Centre Care is another one that work with our kids. Uh, reach out, obviously we refer to the kids. They don't have much contact with our school from what I can remember. Um, but there are definitely a lot of supports at the school because as you'd imagine, you know, a, a psychologist would be quite busy. At the moment it's quite hard to get in. Um, so then we think, okay, how can we can we use counselling services or use something else? It's even hard just, like, building the courage to go speak to a psychologist. Yeah. As, as a kid, you're like, like you don't really seen as weak and um, in front of your mates or whatever. It's not just that. Young kids also have not much awareness around feelings because it's their first time experiencing it's it. True. Yep. And when you get older, get perspective, you're like, oh, fuck, like, I wasn't feeling too good then. 
but you only get perspective when you sort of come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the whole thing is like educating younger people around emotions and what it means and yeah. why they could feel that way and what they should maybe do, who can they can speak to, how to take action. There's so many of those skills that I don't think, in my opinion, are educated well enough and that's saying I'm trying to get into that space because I know it would have made a massive difference yeah. to my journey. Yeah, and you've seen a, you've seen a huge change in you know, the school curriculum. We're teaching mental health the past five to ten years where back in when I was in high school, back in the Stone Age. Where we, <laughs> it's it's getting spanked. We didn't have computers. <laughs> getting the cane. <laughs> um, nah, so, and we, we never really got taught about that. So it's it's implemented. And I think there is going to be an improvement um, moving forward because you have the 40, 50-year-old blokes that are really struggling, don't know how to speak out or they're too ashamed to speak out. Um, so there is a massive... So there has been a turning point, which is which is great to see. And every time a, a kid comes up to me and says, "I'm really struggling," um, can you help? I say, "Thank you. Like you've 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 taken the first step to getting better." Yeah, love that. I learned that on the weekend. Like, if anyone reaches out to you, it's like one of the most important things to do is to like thank them yep. for doing it because then it like conditions the person like yep. that. Like, okay, this is this what I did was good. Especially yeah. as a young, fragile brain, mm. they need to be told that like reaching out for help. Or talking about their feelings was very important. Yeah, be first step. So we've spoken heaps about mental health and and the fields changing so much, which is amazing. Because like I feel like it's going to take a long time because you're going to have to these kids and then their kids and then their kids. Like that's when the real change is going to take place because it's really hard with like our parents to understand and, yeah. and especially like the stoic stoic men that you yep. see it's hard for them but we've spoken a lot about that mental side but i think sometimes we get we almost forget the physical side because obviously there's a big link but there's especially now there's so many diseases like cardiovascular diseases like obesities like rising like are we neglecting our f- the physical side a bit because i feel like taking care of your body is so important not just for your for your mind but preventing disease living a long healthy life um I guess in school, is there still, uh, not school, but like in your life? Where's how, 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 yeah. How do you promote a healthy, how do you promote a healthy life? Because you obviously. It's, are we still rolling here? Or do you know? Yeah. Yeah. You obviously gym gas. So that's like one way um, you keep in check. Well, it does both really. Gymming does mental and physical health, mm. but um, are there any other things, I guess? I, f- I feel like they've both caught up. Like obviously the past dec- or the past century or years yeah. before been no such thing as mental health so yeah. it, it's sort of leveling out but when at what point does it become okay i'm healthy mentally but then you let go of your physical health um i guess we teach that in school as well um what to eat um how many how much exercise you need to do, you need to do how to stay active um, being physically active in phys ed um but yeah i, I guess in terms of myself um footy keeps me motivated sometimes i feel like for running wise and actually getting out there footy is such a great way to do it um like a pre-season i don't really dread going to pre-season with all my mates and not as much pressure um but it sort of gives me that push to to go because sometimes people lack motivation so that's where i feel a sporting club's huge um in personal like personal diet funny like you mentioned before like the cardiovascular disease um like my Dad's side, the family heart history is like cooked. Like my, my grandfather's passed away before I was born, heart attack. Dad's had a few stents put in. Um, 
you know, my oldest uncle passed away a heart attack. One of my youngest uncles passed away like this year of a heart attack. So personally, I need to know, I need to start putting things in place now so I can live the longest life I can. Mm. And that's, you know, regular health checks with the doctor, which I do in the school holidays, eating healthy, like a meal prep every Sunday. I cut, basically cut out all sugar. Um, I don't drink coffee. I know people probably say, oh, it doesn't affect your heart, but. Never know. That's what it is. Like, if I've never been a coffee drink, I'm not going to start. Yeah. Mm. Um, exercising enough, you know, go to the gym. So yeah, there's a lot of things I'm trying to put in place to to live the longest life possible. Because yeah, um, imagine getting to like whatever age, 40, and you have a heart attack. Why didn't I fucking do this yeah. and this and this? When I, I literally had the chance, I had the choice, mm. but I decided to do this. But now it's going to be, yeah. well, I've done everything I can. Yeah. Um, yep. no, it's just, I resonate with that because my grandfather died of a heart attack yeah which is pretty fucked because it was at training in front of my dad like because he was a footy coach and then my dad had open heart surgery 10 years ago Mm. so it's obviously a big heart thing for me Mm. so i guess i resonate with you because like i'm i do so much and i do a lot of research that's why i eat so eat so well and i look after my my body but you also it's not just there's two parts to it. There's the longevity side, like you want to live a long, healthy life, but it's also the present. Like, you just feel ten times better yeah. when you look after your body and you've got more energy. You're motivated. You get more out of life, and I think yeah. that's that's not probably not spoken about enough. Like how much better you feel just by eating and exercising well. Yeah, and I, I mentioned before I have a little story. So, um, my un- uncle passed away this year. So he was fifty. Late late fifties, actually, it'd be probably around sixty, um, and that was that was that was quite tough. Uh, I was quite upset with that, and then you know, every, everything happened. Um, and Jack posted a TikTok on um, on his new account, and he, I think, what was the caption again? Someone I've just oh, witnessed. Oh, someone, someone. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's first time someone had died in front of me, um, and it was just like my reaction. Like I just wanted to take in like the raw emotions. Um, that I was feeling. Yeah, and like the comment at the bottom was oh, yeah. something along the lines of cricket or... Yeah, uh, someone had a heart attack in front of me. Uh, indoor cricket, but it was like yeah. three months ago or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it was like three or four months before and indoor cricket and I was thinking, fuck, like my uncle passed away at indoor cricket. How recently this happened? So I messaged Jack, I said, um, how long ago did you post that video? And he said like, oh, three or four months. And... I said, oh, was it a week before the Kingsway game? Was it the week of the Kingsway game? Because that's how I remembered it. Yeah. Because I played Kingsway, then I ducked off to Greece um, for a little bit. And um, and Jack was like, yeah, it was. And then I'd sent him a voicemail, like the whole story, how my family heart history is cooked. And it was just like a – it was such a weird moment. Like I got these goosebumps. And, and then Jack told me that, you know, he was actually helping out and um, sort of all happened. I met my auntie and – such oh, like a, man, in a t- in a fuck. tough time, so that oh, just gave me goosebumps. I get goosebumps thinking about it now. Dude. Uh, and then I feel like we had such like a deep chat, which we probably haven't had before. I know yeah. on like your silly Sundays when we sit on a couch and get a little bit deep, it's a little bit different. But like a one on one chat with you, I I felt quite sort of yeah content and like you actually helping the case as well. You were there. Oh yeah, sucked. It was like and. I was there till like, what's the latest game? Like nine, I think. Yeah, nine. Yeah, I would have been there till like eleven, and I just sat, stayed in my car, 
well, we were just watching um, everything happen because like his whole team was around, like they were trying to help him as best as could um, they could. Um, and then the Ambos came. We were still waiting, um, and then he left off in the Ambo. And then uh, I'm not too sure why, but um, his wife came probably ten minutes after uh, he left. Um, maybe she didn't know that he'd gone yet, and. Like I was still there, and that that is what rocked me. Like she was just like screaming and just crying, and I was like, "That is just like mm. she like." At the end of the day, she just thought his. Uh, she just thought that um, her husband was just going to cricket, like something he does mm. every single week, just part of his weekly routine. Um, we'd come home, we'd have dinner, or go to bed together, and we'd wake up the next morning. Mm. And, and then, yeah, the tough thing about it happened six or seven years before at the exact same cricket centre playing indoor cricket had a heart attack there was a doctor around who'd managed to revive him um and then that was based like a miracle he survived and then i remember at his um would have been his um it would have been his 60th um and the guy that saved him was there and they became really good friends after and he burst into tears and said like if i wasn't um, if he wasn't there, I wouldn't be alive. And then, yeah, fast forward seven years ago, they actually put in a defib at that indoor cricket centre just, just for corner. that reason, yeah, for him. Yeah, but then, in that case, fucking the defib was flat or something. Yeah, he knew it, so they couldn't use it. And that's what probably. Mm. So yeah, the the heart history is cooked, and I'm, I'm, and then there's that question of do I overthink it and. You know, is it in the back of my mind? Am I not living yeah. life to the fullest because of it? Because of it, and I think no. Like, I'm just putting a few little things in place to mm. to help out. And um, yeah, if yeah. you know something that could affect the you know Genetic. longevity of your yeah. life, you're obviously going to do something about it. Mm. So no, nah, it's fucking it's good from you because I reckon there's a lot of people that would sort of go like take the invincibility approach and just mm. go, nah, won't happen to me. I'm all mm. good, and just like be ignorant to it. It's fucking good that you're, you know, putting in the, the steps, um, in place that you can. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was quite tough, but um, yeah. Was that hard then? Because you went away. Like yeah, and that that's that was quite tough because I had the big Greece, the Greek islands for yeah, just under three weeks, and um, sort of felt like I was leaving everyone behind, but mm. couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's, that, was, that was a tough one. And some, like, I don't know how close you were with him, but sometimes it doesn't even matter how close. Like it just, it just hits you with like the mm. life's short, um, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that that was that was a tough sort of situation, but um, yeah, made the decision to go. No, you got it. Like that's part of mm. the, you living. Like your uncle would want you to go. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't want you to miss out on the trip. Yeah. But um. Questions or you want to move on? Yep. <laughs> Sad to happy. <laughs> <laughs> Riding the emotional roller coaster. All right, let's dig into some audience questions. Peanut gallery. Yeah. <laughs> Taste my own medicine here. <laughs> First one, easy one. When what age exactly did you start playing footy? So I was yeah, six. Surrendered on Craig down at Percy Doyle. Oskick, yeah. Yeah, just in those horrendous jerseys, the the brown. <laughs> they still wear them, I think. Wow. The brown and yellow, just disgusting. And I was the, and as a junior, I was the Srenadun Craig Dolphins wearing brown and gold. It was just 
It's horrendous. <laughs> Where did the cricket ball you hit at Seacrest land slash has it landed yet? <laughs> <laughs> nah, well, um... Context yeah. is a charity cricket game and oh. Gas hit about 90 off like 20 rocks. Plugged uh, into yeah. the moon, didn't it? Yeah. Or Rotto? Uh, 90... Um, it was ni- 90 off 32. Jesus. I was seeing them like, like beach balls. Against my old cricket team as well, the Liam Hunt will absolutely hate this. I wind him up every time um, if he's a listener. And you hadn't, hadn't picked up a cricket bat since the previous year's um, Pink Stumps. And I played two years, surrendered Uncraig seniors. I had about seven years off after juniors. And you know, it wasn't hitting them that far. But, yeah, one of them, yeah. Buddy NASA called me a couple of days later and said, you've hit a Mars rover. That's how buddy <laughs> <laughs> sent me the invoice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, yeah, one, one was, I measured him out. Um, you measured it out? Oh, just on Google, you can, yeah, yeah. about 117 metres. This <laughs> <laughs> is the correct sensor. <laughs> it, it was a corker. That's a one of 13. That's fine. <laughs> 13 sixes. Fucking hell. Oh, Sorry, Hans. That was fucking funny. Is it true that you once blew the roof off the building you were running the DJ check decks in? Yeah, that was um, one of the beach hours, I think. I said, move over deal, I'll take it from here, mate. <laughs> and luckily... Um, the screws were just fucked. They were shaking up. Yeah, they were hanging on for dear life. <laughs> Lucky we had a few good chippies that could them in. <laughs> Does, do you regret putting hair lackeys around... Your button-up shirt sleeves in the <laughs> early twenties. <laughs> oh, that's a stitch up. There yeah, are bit of may on that one. Actually, no may at all. <laughs> so, some I had a few button-ups and they were a bit loose around the around the sleeves, and sometimes I like to roll them up. Show the biceps off. I just yeah, I was a bit of a turbo back in the day. I'd roll them up a little bit. And there might have been a lackey band in there just to keep them in place. <laughs> so what do you do? You put the lackey band in there and then you roll it like. I was just a lackey there, and you just roll it so it wouldn't stop unrolling. Yeah, okay. not, not much. Not much malice behind it. You're just trying to keep the girls fucking taking your shirt off, probably. Yeah, correct. <laughs> what Mitch McKenzie said boot camp, army barracks in USA. Or is that the SAS? No, that's, that's a different one. Say, say it because the boys will be a bit of a serious one, but he, he, he did a boot camp at an army barracks in the USA. Love his thoughts. Yeah, another stitch up. Um, yeah, I was in San Diego in 2018, did a bit of traveling. So went to Europe, I was playing up at Durian. Um, actually did my hamstring um, and then flew over to Europe for a bit of hamstring rehab um, <laughs> over there for four weeks and then came back and played. And then at the end of the year, I went with one of my good mates, Perko, um, to America. And yeah, we're in San Diego and he got invited to um, do like a, a boot camp in the in the Navy barracks and um, yeah, went through Checkpoint Charlie and yeah, everything was quite quite a cool experience. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like having the second best hands at North Beach? Uh, who's number one? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who put that in. Who do you reckon? Um, who's got good jukes? Um, you could say Tom Hooper has good hands because he's a physio. Out of the box, <laughs> but, um, who else have? Yeah. Well, they probably don't. Yeah. I think Thule actually... Keith gave me the invoice for the Grippo because I use so much, so <laughs> I might need to pay him back soon. Who did send that? Uh, JP. Oh, oh, yeah, no, he does have some grippy hands. He does yeah. have good jukes. Um, talk about his troublesome hamstring and flying to Europe to see him, specialist <laughs> mid-season. Yeah, as I mentioned before, yeah, did the hamstring 
Um, I was up at Durian, um, had a big off-season, smashing the gym pretty hard. I was weighing 90 kilos playing up at Durian. And, like, and I was playing midfield as well, so it was like a big inside midfield. I weigh, context, I weigh about 84 now, so I was carrying an extra Fucking six hell. kilos. <laughs> and it wasn't doing a lot of running, like country footy, playing in Perth. Um, I trained with like a local club, but that was like once, once a fortnight, if, if I was lucky. So I was putting on a bit of size and, yeah, just... Playing up at Lanson, did my hamstring in the in the second quarter, and then I was flying out to um, to Europe like two days later. Um, and yeah, saw a few hamstring specialists over there that helped how, with the rehab. How, how do you arrange that? Oh, uh, you just just a bit of mayo on that, mate. There's no <laughs> hamstring specialists. <laughs> Fuck, I thought you were going to go with something. No, 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 I actually genuinely thought you went and saw some. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just carrying on like an absolute idiot on a 25 day Kentucky. So. Or is that? Oh, is that when you went? Oh, fuck. Yes, that was 2018. So no, no hamstring specialist there. What was, was, that? A what was that like traveling? Oh, yeah, awesome. And yeah, always wanted to do it. And then sort of the stars aligned, did relief teaching that year. Very flexible. Um, went away for four weeks, did a Contiki and um, just as a single young guy, um, just get out of my system. Did you do that by yourself? I did it with a mate, Boston. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of my mates, Boston. Um, we did that together. Um, and then came back, worked for 10 weeks in term three, and then we went to America, um, did, did it all, and everything just just fell into place for that trip. Best thing about being a relief, I reckon, like you can yeah, it was smash good. some work, get some good money behind you, and then just fuck off. Yeah, and that, that was easily the best year of my life, by oh. country mile, yeah. ten, nearly 10 weeks of travelling and um, playing footy and casual work. was. What's so good about it? Is it just the freedom and... Do what you want. Yeah, I think the the, the freedom and I, I just didn't. You don't care what people think of you over there, and um, <laughs> you just sort of do what you want. And so some of the yeah, some of the stories you, you probably can't so can't tell. <clears throat> yeah, so when we went to Scarborough and did this dance, um, anyways, yeah, we sort of like we're thinking, why do people spend twenty k to try and like find themselves mm. when? the way that they're finding themselves is sort of just removing the fear of judgment because they don't care about these people overseas because they'll never see their faces again. Like what people feel like they have to spend 20 K and they can literally do it right here in Perth. It's just a bit harder in, in their mind, I guess. Yeah. I think you can just get away mm. and yeah, I guess it's the, 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 fear, the fear of judgment. Shit. If you do that in Perth, like who's seen you and it's just, obviously you can see a small amount in Perth, but when you're doing, Europe, it was quite fast paced. We did like ten countries in twenty five days or something. Did a, in each country for two and a half days. Um, that was good. Just experience a different culture and yep. um, yeah, just in, enjoy yourself. Um, Definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I said to uh, Mrs. Montana as well. She's because of COVID and everything. She couldn't really oh, travel yeah. much. Um, and then she was at uni as well, so didn't really find a, a time. And then we did. Greece together. Uh, I was there for just under three weeks, and then she stayed on for six. So, and everyone's thinking, "Oh, like yeah, you must be pretty tolerant to let her go away for an extra three weeks." And she's going to America next year for three weeks. And a few people say, "Oh, fuck, she's she's doing a bit." But I'm saying, yeah, "Get out of your system. Mm. Like, do it while you're young and um, no, kids, you know, no kids or not married. Not that the marriage thing matters, but no kids or." Um, you're young, you can still do it. You don't want to do that stuff when you're 35. Like, it's a different trip. We'll do that sort of yeah. together with a couple um, in 
you know, 20, 30 years yeah. onwards. So okay. mm. I, I don't want to hold her back of, of traveling. She hasn't done it. Yeah. 100%. I'm the exact same. Girlfriend's in Europe right now. Uh-huh. I can take you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> identical time. situation. And yeah. I've, I I think I totally agree with your thoughts. Like you don't want to hold them back. No. And if, if I was in that situation as well, and if I hadn't traveled, I wouldn't sort of understand that. I wouldn't mm. really understand. I'd want to do it, so I wouldn't want her to hide me, um, hold me back. But yep. knowing how much enjoyment I had out of it, and the stories I can tell, and um, mm. the memories I can look back on, it's it's priceless. So yeah, that's why I did this year, and it was a tough decision with footy. Like, do I miss? It was luckily it was only two games, but yeah, I was thinking, oh, geez, are people going to judge me because I'm yeah. ducking off to the Greek Islands Mate, for it was three weeks? Footy's a part of your life, but the travel like will always yeah. stick with you. Yeah, and yeah, going back to like not being able to do it for the first sort of six years when I was 18 to 24 because of footy, mm. um, playing like amateurs, I was thinking, fuck off. That's your reason. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's amateur for a reason. People just forget that. But there's still obviously expectations. So. Yeah. And I said to, I said to um, adults like, it, it is what it is. Like if you just want to have my spot back, then have my spot back. It's not my decision. It's good mm. though. You just... You did it in spite of what anyone else thought. Mm. Yeah, you got to put yourself first. Yep. No regrets. Yep, 100%. Um, Is that all the questions? Yeah, that's all the questions. Uh, I've got one more I've, I've got one more question. Um, what's your thoughts on confidence versus arrogance? Ooh. We spoke about this on yeah, the couch. Yes, we did. <laughs> very late yes, time. <laughs> no. Ned's house. Um... Confidence is knowing within yourself that you can do something. Arrogance is telling people you can't do it. That's the nail on the head there. I, th- I think you that did. was off the cuff as well. In my, <laughs> in my opinion, I think that's pretty close, yeah. Like someone that's arrogant will always let people know how good they are or bring others down to make themselves mm. better. Mm. Um, someone that's confident knows within themselves that they can do something um, and they don't necessarily need to Show it. Need to show it. Um, at footy clubs, I feel like there's arrogance, but there's a level to it. Mm-hmm. Like there's arrogant humour, which yeah, I, we think, all I think it's quite funny. Yeah. And, yeah. And blokes have been doing it. You know, you, you make a joke, but you sort of, you have that connection with that bloke. You know that they're joking. Yeah. And it's 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 funny. Yeah. Like, like oh, I'm going to have a 30 and 3 today. So yeah. Well, yeah. Like we, we, know, we know that like you're joking. Like you might actually think that yourself, but there's no sort of malicious intent but if you meet someone and and tell them how good you are and stuff that's obviously arrogance you need yeah. to sort of know that fine line and um yeah it's I easy to forget who you're around like who you're telling as well like yeah yeah sometimes i might take no, another one far. to extend on that i've had this conversation a number of times um arrogance getting sorry lack of confidence or being like an introvert getting perceived as arrogance your thoughts on that like some being quiet and sort of shy but that coming across as arrogant like not, you don't want to yeah like you don't want to or you're too good to speak to them or you, yeah. you don't want to chat to them and um i feel like maybe early on in maybe towards the end of high school in the first sort of few years outside of high school people thought that of me i was still confident within myself but you know as i said before i've gained a lot of confidence in the past 10 years and um sort of quite high at the moment but as he was building, some people thought, yeah, you know, you're, you're arrogant because you didn't want to speak to him and really I just mm. didn't have the balls <coughs> to speak to him or didn't want to um, put myself out there. 
Yeah. That's fucking... Nah, I, f- I feel that because we always look at it on the flip side, don't we? We always look at the people who have high confidence and we're like, fuck, is he like... There was a quote on TikTok which is like some bloke said, don't let my confidence offend your insecurity. Yep. I fucking love that. Shit. I love that good one. one. <coughs> um, but that's a good one, flipping it and being like low confidence. Could that be perceived as arrogant because like you don't want to speak to these blokes? Mm. But It's just an assumption at the end of the day. Yeah. But yeah, <coughs> that's a hard one. It's true though. Like, yeah. When Depend, you, um, yeah, it depends how you present yourself as well. Mm. Like you can you can see someone that's quite um, they're lacking confidence. They might have their shoulders hunched or mm. like in a party, standing in the corner. You probably sense that. But when you're chatting to other people or people you're confident with or comfortable with, and you're chatting to them, and then you're not that confident making new connections and going to that next group, which I probably still fall into the the boat of that. Um, and that's something I'm trying to improve by being a bit of a leader at the footy club, trying to get around those younger boys and. Um, I don't want them to perceive me as as arrogant for not pulling them yeah. for a chat or chatting to them <coughs> when when I'm chatting with you know like you Gillies and you boys and because that's who I'm comfortable with. So yeah. I need to put myself out there to to expand that and get comfortable with sort of people that I'm not usually associated what, so what with. What stops you then? Is it like just the comfort of just like the, yeah. like <laughs> I guess you're still their friendship. So you're like yeah, it's hanging out with the. Yeah. People you're closest to, but if you're in a team and it, like the best way to build culture and that inclusivity mm. is like build bettering the relationships between like the top end, like the older, and then like the younger. Yeah, I think it's more having those sort of deeper chats, like the difference between "Hey mate, how you going?" and then yeah. not speaking to them. I probably yeah, fall in that boat. I make I say hi and stuff. I'm not obviously ignoring them, but um, having a chat about work or like something like that, I don't with like Gilly would be the perfect example of that he would know everything about anyone because yeah. he makes <laughs> he so many different it. connections and you know he's a massive leader of the group and that's probably his personality type where myself it's probably you know just if I'm at like a, a wedding I'll be with all my mates that I'm really close with we're having a good time I haven't caught up for two months I won't really put myself out there to meet mm. new people if they come and have a chat then I will but um, yeah I think that's something I'm developing so you naturally introverted? I, f- I felt like definitely introverted as a kid and then I've sort of, yeah, shifted a little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm, I wouldn't say I'm ext- extroverted. I'm not the loudest on the track and stuff, but um, yes, I still chat to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're still loud enough. Because I did a podcast on two ways to be more confident and I was saying that introversion doesn't cause low confidence, yep. but it like, it can make it can create this feedback loop because if you're introverted and you're going to a new environment like a a subi or something right and you're introverted and you sort of i guess can withdraw from situations because you're a bit hesitant and that can sort of take away from the confidence because you're not getting to know people and not building those deeper relationships which sort of feeds back into introversion and then you become a bit more introverted you go more into your shell and it leads back to the lower confidence so it's like you need to just take that jump and then the opposite effect's going to happen. You're going to yeah. start to get more confident, go out of, come out of your shell, and then build a good relationship with the people around you. Mm. I think that yeah, definitely takes time. It took mm. took me years and years. So I think True. sometimes, like but going back to that arrogance, like <coughs> people are overly arrogant because they're insecure. They're trying to make up for their mm. lack of confidence in themselves, and they want people to think that they're confident. Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I said too much conf- too much confidence is can be like arrogance, but sometimes you can be arrogant without being confident. Oh, massive. Yes. I actually so think a lot of yes. arrogance stems from low confidence. Yeah. But then and you, you can you can pick it out quite easily as a, a bloke um, in my friendship group that no longer a friend, one of the one of the boys got the axe and chopped him from the group. <laughs> um, but the same sort of thing, like he was quite sort of arrogant, um, but lacked a lot of confidence and then would bring others down to make himself oh. more confident. Mm. He'd take the piss out of you, like, like insult you, mm. like to, to, to make you feel shit so he feels better. And a lot of people do that. I know oh, yeah. uh, a lot of girls do that. They bring other girls down to mm. bring themselves up and um, that's that perfect example of um, low confidence, high sort of arrogance. Mm. You see a lot in, especially like year 10. Yeah. So year 10 students are, you know, they're, Sort of finding themselves and yeah, but Jack, we talk about the the girl thing quickly because like girls will bring other girls down behind their backs, but put them up in public when they don't yep. actually mean it. Yep. So it's like that fake kindness and for the girls, and then like they'll normalize like maybe a poorer standard, and they'll pump these girls up when they probably don't even genuinely believe it, yes. and then behind their back they're probably just because girls, I feel like. It's a big thing. They they keep their enemies close a lot of the time, mm-hmm. which is like really men aren't like that. So no. if you don't like a bloke, you're not gonna you're not gonna be mates. You see it all over Instagram. Mm. Beautiful girl, like stunning, like yeah. you know. Maybe they do believe it, but there's a large majority that don't, and they're just yeah. saying it because well, they actually like the fact that they think that they're beautiful or whatever, mm. and they're actually keeping themselves to a low standard. Well, this is the it's a bit sidetracked, but the Chris Williamson podcast. I don't know if you know Modern Wisdom. But his thing was like basically women do that because it takes their competition away. So it takes women out of the pool if they like, like almost saying, oh, you're so beautiful. But like they know or maybe even subconsciously, like they don't actually think that, Mm. but it takes them out of the competition pool for mates. And males and females act quite differently socially. I I see it in high school as well. You don't get uh, like the bitchiness between boys. If there's an issue, then the boys each other or they'll find it and they'll try to settle themselves where the girls yeah, it just goes just inside Chinese back. whispers yeah fuck and it's, that's it's horrible yeah. it's actually like the bullying for for girls i feel like would be way worse in, mm. in high school yeah like the yeah like there's any massive issues at the moment like social media bullying's huge like back when i was in high school i had a sony ericsson flip phone <laughs> you can't go on you can't tech you wouldn't have that person's number you mm. can't text them and say you, know, you yeah. suck or you yeah. Make fake like accounts that. and start yeah. just spamming. So there's there's no real silo. There's you'd have like MSN. Were you blokes old enough to uh, have MSN? I got shown by my uh, my neighbours. Shown my age. So nah, for the for the older <laughs> listeners, the MSN you could yeah you could message someone and there could be cyberbullying there, but you had to be at home on your computer on your dial up internet that would take thirty seconds to connect. <laughs> this is probably another thing we don't speak about with the bullying. It's not just I don't think people bullying more i think there's just people that are more aware of the bullying because of social media so i don't think more of it's happening i just think people get that feedback more and there's more they're able to experience that more like i'll give you an example so on social media jack posts his stories he gets 70 80 shares so like in his head he's thinking oh like a a vast amount are going to be talking shit but if there wasn't that thing he wouldn't get to see it and that thought doesn't come in your head yeah. but there's so much more f- information about 
I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Negative. Uh, yeah. Agree. Agree and disagree. Um, agree in that sense, but disagree in the sense of twenty years ago, the bullying different type of bullying and mm. you could I always say this to parents it? and yeah you can escape it like you come home from high school back in the day and you might be getting bullied at school and there's six hours where you get picked on or getting called names and then you come home and it's done mm. now you come home there's snapchats trying to add your fake accounts instagrams tiktoks mm. making comments making stupid videos about you there's just no like escaping tip. about it and that's that's why I feel like the mental health of young people is struggling but is at the that moment. I know this isn't probably a good comment but I think it it's good in the sense that you have to deal with the feelings that you have to really deal with it because there is no escapism. And as much as that might be a brief respite, it might be teaching people like to escape the feelings yep. because they're at school, they're getting hounded, but in the back of their head, they're like, Oh, let's repress this emotion. I get to go home and sure don't deal not. with it. Yeah. But they have, mm. they're forced to deal with whatever it is yep. because they need a, they know they can't escape. They can, they know they can't yeah, escape. That's it, a good so point, actually. I mean, I'm just interested. Like, is it, as much as it has such a negative impact, and there are terrible things that happen because of it. Mm. So, I guess it works both ways. Yeah, and I feel like, like, yeah, after six well, six hours, like even before school, like, all right, just get through six hours of this bullying, and then I get to come home again. Like, mm. like do they know there's gonna be an end to it? Whereas if nowadays, like, they don't know when the end is, so they yeah. have to. Sort you of can take say, action. The easy say, oh, I'll just block all the accounts, yeah. and but yeah, you it's, can't too, it's too yeah. hard these days. <laughs> There's too many burner accounts making those comments. So, and then you say, oh, I'll delete your Instagram if you don't want to see them. Well, it's a tough approach, but then you're missing out on those. Other, you actually might want to be on there. It's mm. not fair that you're taken off, or mm. you still want to connect and see what your friends are doing. I feel like TikTok is just so top, like, how is it to make a fake oh, account yeah. under a fake name? Oh, everyone who talks shit is pretty much a fake account. Yeah, mm. oh, on oh, and then but then they can like because I don't I haven't I'm. My algorithm doesn't have like fifteen-year-olds like talking shit on it, but mm. I could see like that could be a form of building. Like they start videoing them and making a TikTok out of them, like make them into a meme or whatever. Like just create hell for this person. Mm. I could just see that being a massive reality for these these school students. Yeah, that's a huge issue at the moment. I feel like Probably. it's it's, it's going to be hard for with a quote I've been using with Jack is, "Life doesn't get easier; you get stronger," mm. yep. and I think. It's something like if I went back to my younger days and some of the harder things I went through, like in my head, if I look back on that, I don't wish for it to be easier. I wish that I was stronger. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's powerful. <laughs> that's a really good one. Yeah, it is. It's it's good. It's cool, those ones. <laughs> yeah, so th- speaking of quotes, we I'm ending this... Sh- I've got to remind me to take a photo of Gus because I need to take yeah. a photo of each guest. Um, we're ending with a quote. I did give you the heads up, so I'm expecting saying good here. Favorite quote? Did you give me a heads up? Yeah, yeah. we sent it. To oh, oh, I, I did not see the message. <laughs> <laughs> send it to the message. That's right. We'll, we'll give you a second. Um, you get it up. Yeah, yeah. You got one on this while we th- while we're waiting, Jack. I'll tell you. I got a the one I've been thinking about. I sent it in the email. Was the Edison one? Go like. On. I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. Mm. When, like, obviously discovered the light bulb. But yeah. he, it's basically that whole thing of like, I haven't failed yet. I'm just like eliminating ways that don't work. I yeah. think that's just in, it is a really good way to keep motivating yourself. Put me on the spot here. Um, didn't even say that message. Do I have any quotes off the cuff? What did you, like for me, my all-time quote, I actually put it in my Instagram name now, is like, be the change you want to see in the world. Because to me, that's just a great way for me to live by. 
I'm like, fuck, I have visions for the world to be a sort of a, a different place, kinder, all these things, but I want, I want to live by that. So that, that's like a quote I love. Yeah. I'd say, or well, one that sort of resonates with me, which you do amazingly, is um, the Dylan Friends quote that he started, started using um, straight when he started his podcast. Be yourself, everyone else is taken. Mm. And I feel like you, Jack, like you just don't, you don't give a shit what everyone else thinks. Like, and I've noticed a massive change in your mentality. I've known you for what, three years. When did you first play? 2020? Yeah. Yep. It's been three years and, you know, you were that larrikin that would take the piss and um, joke around, which is fine. But now you've sort of found, you, you can actually see that you're making a difference with these chats and um, you're trying to push that on others, which is which is great. And I've noticed, um, yeah, with, with your TikToks and stuff, you don't you don't give a shit what anyone thinks. No. Yeah. Um, Sonny will keep supporting you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a massive, like, because obviously it, um, I'm just talking about myself a bit here, but like. Your podcast, mate. No, no, no. <laughs> no. So obviously Egan did a great thing starting this podcast. Like, it's the hardest thing to do. Fucking being different, starting something different. And then obviously. Um, I don't think, actually, quick interrupt. I don't think it's hard to start. I think it's easy. It's so, in some, it's different for some people. For me, it was easier to start, but it's harder to continue when the noise, because yeah, yeah, it's a fucking grind. Like, it was easy for me, but yeah, I'll start a podcast, do one, but then when those yeah, voices right, and the, yeah, and it's it the growth true. and the grind and the, and the doubts and the worries, yeah, that's be, when, yeah, that's be, when it's hard. It'd be easy if you're doing a podcast and then 10 of your mates are listening. Obviously, they're going to tell you how good it is. Yeah. But when it starts getting Getting. a bit bigger and other people are listening, that's when the other comments come in. Exactly. Um, I think you're doing a great job, Egan. Yeah. Getting some guests on as well. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, obviously personal growth um, development. But I think the massive thing that people might see in me is like I was, I I still am sort of, but like a larrikin, like this fucking dickhead. I say all the time, like just not a nice person. And like you can see that like it's possible to change. Like you don't don't have to be um, pushed in a corner and that's who you have to be. Like you can choose who you want to be. You can change. Um, I think that might be something that people can get out of. Um, did you feel pigeonholed then into that? Well, yeah. I, we sort of spoke on our podcast about you. Yeah. But did you feel pigeonholed like, into subcon- that? Role? Like when I think about it now, it's just subconsciously like I had to, I had to be that that guy that like you know uh, always created the laughs and or even just people that could laugh at like just um, sort of thing. And now I feel like I've taken a. A uh, few notes off Gillian become a bit more serious, <laughs> but no, nah, there's just there's always that balance. Because um. I reckon you had that in you. Like yeah, you said no, no, you no. always had deep conversations. I think a lot of people, and as humans, we are seeking deeper purpose, and especially in first world countries. Talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Everyone, most people have like we've got the basics, we, and then there's that top bit, the self actualization, the purpose, the deeper stuff. A lot of us are like that's where we struggle because we're like the fuck is life like we want a bit more we want to have these conversations people have this big drive to have them and like you said you had those conversations but now but externally people didn't know that exactly yeah but now i'm just fucking gone you know what who gives a fuck i'm just gonna do what i want Um, and if people don't like that then they can eat that shit (laughs) 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 no i do have a couple quotes that like we always send to each other that this one if they don't have what you want don't listen to what they say and that one again. if they don't have what you want, don't listen to what they say. Yes. Because I feel like often people like actually take these um, criticisms and stuff and just like, well, 
hang on, you've never done what I actually want to do. So how would you know where I want to go? People are very quick to give out criticism or advice when they don't, don't look have any it. runs on the board. Yeah. It's yeah. I think it's just because how easy it is. Like, it's so easy to just talk, talk, talk. Um, it's always the people who aren't don't have skin in the game that throw out the most insults. And uh, Why is that? Like, I wish I could talk to these people, like, without them taking the piss, like them just by themselves and genuinely just think to themselves, like, why Why do I actually do it? Like, yeah, you, you'd, you'd, you'd find one-on-one that'd be completely different. Yeah. But the same The same goes as kids at school. Like you can have them with their group of mates and they'll be spraying you and calling you names and misbehaving and then you pull them one-on-one, they're a completely different kid because there's no external sort of Shopping. eyes on them. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's all a front. Um, but... Yeah, I guess it is a little bit different with like burner accounts messaging you because they might be at home by themselves just trying to bring someone else down, but then it goes back to the high, um, high arrogance of their confidence yeah. to bring others down. Yeah, uh, just make this world a kind of place, don't we? But mm. people struggle to do that. Any lasting thoughts, boys? No, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, Good chat. Yeah, listen to quite a few of the episodes since the first one and um, getting a few of the North Beach boys on is good and glad to glad to finally be on the invoice later on <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, thanks for coming on Gus I appreciate Cheers. it Cheers Thank Gus <laughs> I love this chat and I love getting to know people on a deeper level and especially the people I've had a former connection with because then you start to rethink about how maybe some of the interactions could have been different if you knew these things about the people. And I guess that sort of speaks to how big perception is. So I start thinking of that now. I'm like, well, all these relationships you have in your life, how differently they would look if you knew more about the person. We don't often look at it that way, but it sort of can motivate you to have those deeper conversations and really facilitate some deeper connections with the people in your lives. Anyways, that's the episode done. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening, Legends. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.